We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey, it's Flo, and this is my impression of a beat poet. Name. Name your. Name your price. Ah, a tool, an idea, an inspiration. To do more than just say what you want to pay, oh no, but to see the options that could fit your budget. <sighs> Steve. Steve, enough bongos. Find car insurance that fits your budget at Progressive.com. Makes me want to dance. Steve! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Congratulations. You got me to admit that I was wrong on yet another podcast. <laughs> I didn't even need facts. <laughs> <laughs> This is the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast, brought to you by Mondogold.com, your premier destination for daily fantasy soccer. Head over to Mondogold.com and enter code ROTO for a 200% bonus on your first deposit. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Gottlieb and Andrew Laird. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. It's international break, which means there's shenanigans to happen. So, if you want some serious fantasy Premier League analysis, turn elsewhere. No, I'm just <laughs> we're actually going to uh, we're actually going to go break down the the transfer deadline day, which just closed a few hours ago on Tuesday. Uh, we're going to go through the uh, FPL relevant players, uh, the ones that we saw. Uh, if you have any others that you think should have been on the list, and if you have any questions for us, tweet us. I am at Sports by Gotti, G-O-T-T-I, uh, and he is Andrew Laird at Rotowire. Andrew, hello, Andrew. Welcome to another episode. How are you, sir? Uh, you know, you know, just another day, another transfer window closing. You know, no big deal. Nothing really happened, uh, but we'll talk about it anyway. Um, first of all, I know you're an Arsenal fan. Would you like to voice your frustration on how little Arsenal did? I'm actually not overly frustrated. Um, I had a Twitter conversation with Tate McIntyre, who writes our uh, FPL barometer. He's also an Arsenal supporter. And he uh, made a comment about how he bought just as many outfield players as Arsene Wenger did in this transfer window. And the the difficulty is that they got check, and everybody made, said that they were you know title contenders. And so I think it kind of put this thought in their head that they didn't need to add anybody else, despite the kind of continuous gaping hole at, you know, a central striker. They flirted with uh, Kareem Benzema for a little bit. The ridiculous Edinson Cavani rumors sh- showed up again. 
Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, on Monday. That was really never happening. I mean, not that the other two were. I was shocked that we didn't get more um, Iguain stuff as well because he had been linked. He was like a done deal for Arsenal two years ago before he went to Napoli. So the anybody who really expected a big move to happen is just kidding themselves. The, the I think some people looked at it as them adding Mesut Ozil and Alexis Sanchez in the last two years as evidence that uh, Wenger was ready to you know, be a club to buy big players like that. And I think it was more of a, he got the two guys that he thought he needed and that was it. So anybody who was like shocked that Arsenal didn't make a move is just kidding themselves. Somebody, I forget who it was, had a great tweet that said, um, I guess there was a comment that Arsenal didn't want to basically penny pinch on a, getting a striker. And so if they couldn't get Benzema and Cavani, they weren't going to get anybody. And somebody said, that was like deciding to go celibate because you couldn't uh, get Jessica Alba, and it's like, well, that's that's basically how they how they do it. And no, I'm not surprised at all. Frustrating, sure, but it's not not surprising. Yeah, and Chelsea wise, um, you know, Pedro was obviously the big signing. Uh, they got rid of Quadrado. They got rid of Victor Moses. A bunch of young players. They also brought in someone who actually may be featuring sooner than people think. If the struggles continue for Cesc Fabregas and Modic at center defensive midfield, I wouldn't be surprised to see either Kurt Zuma or the new signing, Papis uh, Giloboji, mm-hmm. uh, the Senegalese center back or central def- uh, midfielder. Who apparently um, Newcastle and Sunderland were interested in both decided not to go after him. Which is one of the so, silliest you know, things I've read in a while. I'd say if Newcastle doesn't want him, Chelsea certainly should. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget about yeah. Baba Rachman. Yeah, and Baba Rachman, who will probably never see the light of day, because no. uh, unless someone gets a red card, that defensive back four apparently is never changing. <laughs> it's it's the definition of insanity right this year so far. Anyone who's played left wing for any team not na- uh, playing against Chelsea, that guy has looked like an all star. If they had them. Exactly. Now. Let's get to the transfers. Let's talk to the, about the things that actually did happen and actually have some FPL relevance. Uh, we started the we basically we, we're not going to go past you know Pedro signing because we already talked about Pedro and Nicola Otamendi. We talked about them last week or the week before. So uh, anything that's happened past then, we're going to talk about. And let's get started with the two big ones and the biggest one first. Kevin De Bruyne has finally made his switch from Wolfsburg to Manchester City. A small fortune, don't you think? <laughs> uh, certainly more than anybody would have expected when he left Chelsea to go to Wolfsburg. Yeah, and I think that, and I've been on record, and I'm not going to change my opinion. He needs a lot of space. Well, not a lot of space. He's not the the quickest and not, not the paciest of midfielders. So he's go- I mean, he's an operator akin to. I would say, you know, Christian Eriksen and Gilfie Sigurdsson, but with much better finishing instincts. That, uh, and I think he's a little better ha- in open play than those two. He's a better in open play because there are teams that no team in Germany they think it's insulting to play that pack it in, <laughs> Fair park, park the bus style. <laughs> England doesn't care. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's what he saw all the time when he was at Chelsea, and he just couldn't break through. And Maybe uh, for me, I think he's going to be more of an assist guy than a goal guy. Mm-hmm. If he's anything, um, is he should he be the first waiver priority in a Caesar league this week? Probably. Should you spend the majority of your fab budget if you are in a uh, season long league? Probably. Uh, but you know, am I super excited? No. <laughs> From the guy who drafted him second in the Taga early mock that we did back in third oh whatever it was it was early and nothing changed i mean he you drafted him with the idea that he was going to go to man city and that's exactly where he went it's the double jinx i think the big thing that we need to recognize is he's not going to play the same position and at man city than he did at wolfsburg he basically played the number 10 there and wolfsburg had a lot of guys that are can kind of finish around him and you can't fathom that he would take that role at Man City and they push David Silva out wide, particularly with how well Silva's played this season already. So who do you think he replaces, Navas? Yeah, right in. 
which day one. Yes. In two weeks. I don't. I don't think there's any. Yes, I think he. I think the international break actually helps him a little bit, even though they're, you know, he'll be with um, Belgium. with Belgium. But the you can't spend that much money and sit him. They're obviously not going to no, sit him. But know, like, I, I, I think I, I understand that argument. It's I don't know if I, I don't think that should factor into whether somebody starts. That's just the going rate for someone who didn't want to leave and a team that didn't want to sell. No, I. I but I think you don't bring him in unless you're going to play, regardless of price. Like, they obviously thought he was an upgrade to Navas, which he is. And so I think, yeah, I think he plugs right in. I also no, think. No question. The, the style in which Manchester City play, you know, the fact that they have wing guys that can get beyond the back four. Right. Uh, I actually don't think that's De Bruyne's thing. Well, I, I, I don't. Well, if, well, I suppose. I mean,. Th- I, I can certainly see a situation where he and Silva kind of weave in and out. Um, but I, I I think he'll fit in perfectly. I think there's not a better team that he could fit into in the Premier League. Not that he was like dying to come back to England, but I think he, I mean, there are very few players who wouldn't be better when they join Man City as opposed to anybody else. But I understand. I understand. The, the 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 ceiling is high. I I also warn you guys that the ceiling is uh, that the floor is low. That that I think is a good point. And I think, but I think, uh, I kind of put him on the same level as Raheem Sterling, in that, just what you said. There's a there's a. I think his ceiling actually might be higher than Sterling's, but the and floors are are pretty what, low. What, what what has Sterling's production been so far? A goal, and that's it. <laughs> okay. The benefit for both of them. At least in in a most season long form. Well, actually, I guess it's just FPL. Is that they're midfielders, whereas I think in or Sterling's definitely a forward in Taga, and so because I have him, um, De Bruyne, I can't. He played kind of a different role than Sterling did at Liverpool, so I, I can't imagine that he would be a forward. But anybody who's listening here, who's in our Taga Experts League, um, you could just give up on De Bruyne because I have the first waiver pick and. I'll be taking him. You all can fight over Glenn Murray. Let's get to him next. Even though, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll get to him next as you just mentioned him. The Glenn Murray effect is leaving Crystal Palace. Thank goodness for my Patrick Bamford. <laughs> uh, but he's now going to Burnmouth. So it's your problem and your Callum Wilson man love's problem now. Man love? It's four goals. It's goal love. I'm aware. Three in one game, but okay, yes. And I also benched him for the other one. That's good. Not good. Not good. Oh, good for me, bad for you. Anyway, um, Glenn Murray, do you think he actually starts alongside, takes uh, Josh King's place? Yeah, I assume so. The Burmouth was kind of, we're talking about trying to get Murray all summer, so this move is shouldn't be surprising at all. I'm not sure how much he can really bring to them. Like, they're, they were already a pretty decent goal-scoring team, although I guess it's really just Wilson at this point. But I don't think there's uh, as much goal upside with Murray now than when he was the lone striker at Crystal Palace. So anybody who was like, oh, if he's going to score 10 or 15 at Palace, he's going to do that at, at Bournemouth. I don't think that's the case. I think he'll struggle to get to, to even eight. It's, yeah. He yeah. was taking penalties for Palace. At least he was at the, towards the end of last year. And I think they were just, they had, you know, midfielders who could, create enough space that he was left all alone in front of the goal. And I'm not sure Bournemouth really has that. I know that. Yeah, I agree. And it's, it's, I think it's a good move for Matt Ritchie who will have another, you know, credible target. Yeah. To aim at. I guess. And Simon Francis too. Yeah. You know, yeah, Murray's not small. So yeah, I mean, it, it helps. Yeah. It, I think he definitely think helps. He... I'm just not sure he becomes this great, great fantasy play all of a sudden. He's not, I don't, I don't think he's any better at Burnmouth than he is at, at Palace. In fact, I'd argue he's worse since he was starting at Palace. Yeah, and he—I I mean, I don't know if he's a guaranteed start on Burnmouth. That's a right. good point. Right. So we'll see how it shakes out for Glenn Murray. But let's get to the highest-paid teenager in history, Anthony Martial, moving from Monaco to Man U. He's going to be paying more taxes now. Yeah, really. The crazy thing about Monaco is that they so they got rid of or they sent Falcao on loan last year because they didn't want to pay his wages. They've been trying to sell him, but nobody can. They're they're gonna have to take a tremendous loss uh, after they bought him from Atletico. 
So they keep loaning him out and getting a loan fee. But they've sold like some significant players this year. Uh, so this one is obviously at the top of the list. My favorite is that he broke the record for the highest pay or highest transferred teenager that Man United set last year with Luke Shaw, which uh, wouldn't say that has turned out as <laughs> well as they had hoped. Yeah, and again, uh, I'm going to get straight to the FPL point here. Does he start? I think I think he has a spot. If he, you know, I think he has a spot. Though my guess is that he starts on on the right side. Uh, Memphis is on the left, and um, Rooney up top in the middle, and then uh, Juan Mata right below them. I think it can definitely help Mata, who was kind of pushed out onto the wing when Yanazai was given that number ten role. Yanazai uh, was shipped to Dortmund on loan, which is kind of a weird move because I don't think he's going to play much there. But that's for another discussion. But yeah, I think uh, I think he can definitely start, and I'm not sure. I, I he certainly doesn't have Memphis's fantasy upside. Like I'll, I'll probably stay, probably stay away from him. Yeah, it's. Um... I, I, yeah, that's that's kind of what I was thinking with with Martial. I have to see it first before I buy in. Um, I don't even think the ceiling is that high, considering how low scoring Manchester United has been. Yeah, I, th- I think that can open up. I mean, maybe he helps open it up, but the it's just kind of crazy that they paid that much money for. I think he's had he's had something like fifty top flight appearances, like in his career. He performed very well against Arsenal last, but in the Champions League last year. Yeah, yeah. That could not have hurt his chances. <laughs> That's certainly true. Um, we've seen plenty of guys make impacts in the Champions League and then get new contracts. Mohamed Salah immediately comes to mind. Yeah. But I don't know. I there are. I would probably. I don't know what his uh, intro price is in FPL. At least I'm guessing he's probably in the seven and a half range. But, I don't even know if he's been put into the game yeah. yet. Um, but that just happened today. Right. So I would, I would take Rooney over him. Still, I would take Memphis over him. I would take Mata over him. I'm assuming he's going to be a forward though, so the Mata comparison isn't that great. But it probably keeps them from talking about Fellaini playing as a as a real forward. Yeah, and that's the mystery striker that Manchester United has been coveting. I mean, he Teenager he wasn't really. Martial. I mean, he was like their fifth choice, right? There's no way he is the... He is who they got. Right, right. So... Do we want to talk about Royce? I guess we should. I mean, would... So it's here's still my a question. lot of money, but... Here's my question to you. Do you think they turned down signing Marco Royce, or do you think they turned down paying 60 million pounds? Like, he's not worth 60 million with his injury history, It's right? a combination... Yeah, exactly. It's the injury history and the price. I think the player... Uh, Give uh, presuming health is worth that, but you can't presume his health. Yeah, and right. I don't know if he if they tested him with a medical or anything like that. I don't think but so. that's a uh, lot of money. That's more than De Bruyne. Like he would have been the top. I mean, he should be more than De Bruyne. He's he's a better player, but he's hurt all the time. Yeah, it, it, uh, it was very surprising to see him stay at Dortmund. I think his contract was supposed to be up at the end of this year, and he signed a new deal instead of leaving. I mean, he was talking about it at Real Madrid. We thought that Terry was going at the beginning of the summer. Uh huh. Yeah. But you know, you know, I think man, you did a did an okay thing. I don't think it's just money, right? It's it's just money. Yeah, and if they feel like they have to save that money for financial fair play or for whatever reason, because they did already spend a lot of money in midfield. Yeah. So I I, I don't know what um what the financial fair play situation was. I'm not in their books. But that's the only reason why I would say they wouldn't spend $60 million because if it's just about money, Manchester, Manchester United prints money. Right. Uh, so that, that, that's... You think $40 that's million gets it done? Uh, I, 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 I don't even... I, I, like I said, I don't think it was more... I think it was more about the injury than, than the number. Yeah. That's the way I'd put it. Okay. The injuries. Excuse me. Injuries plural. Right. All right. Not as exciting, but probably varying fantasy returns. Villa got a new central defense. Yep. <laughs> um, but the defensive pair of Jolian Lescott and Tiago Yori, um, the former from West Brom, the lot the latter from Liverpool. Yori, especially as a young guy, as a young defender, um, has some promise and Lescott's just proven it in the past. He's even been the captain for Manchester City. Mm-hmm. So 
I don't know what this means for Micah Richards, who's been playing center defense there and playing very well, actually. Yeah, I don't think either of them. I don't think these guys come in and start together. I think Richards has a pretty good lock on that job because you're right. Yeah. He has he has played well. Unless they bump Richards out wide. I guess Lescott played out wide a little bit for West Brom. Yeah, I he think shouldn't be there. I, but think, yeah, I must say, I think it'd be about, between him and Richards. Richards would be the one I would kick outside if that's the option they're going to go with. Yeah, and if got, Richards kicks outside, that he makes him even more attractive as an option. Yeah, the the problem is that the guys. I mean, they've been playing Bakuna and Amavi out, you know, on who'd the been, wings, and they're both. Good too. Yeah, both have been very good. So, from a fantasy perspective, right? Yes, yeah. A fantasy perspective. Yeah, I think Amavi. Well, yeah, both of them are good. Bakuna can play in the midfield, so maybe they can move him up a little bit, but. I mean, you're not going to think that these two are all of a sudden making yeah. Villa like this defensive. But powerhouse. yeah, but Villa identified their need in defense, and they and they got you know two uh, one option that's proven in Premier Premier League, and another option that's looking to prove himself yeah. in the Premier League. Yeah, for a club so, like Villa, that certainly helps. Yeah, uh, it helps their case to stay up because there, yeah. there's been a lot of talk, a lot of people looking at Villa and being like, that's ah, a team that can go down. I think I said it, didn't I? Or were they a, not lot one of them? a lot of people have. Yeah. So it, it you know, and if we haven't, it, it, the Premier League has not seen a very big historic club go down in a while. That would be one of them. Yep. And, and people are starting to think it's due. But either way, Villa, Villa, I think did a good job shoring up its defense and identifying a need and filling it. And both of these options, because Guzan's been playing well too. You know, Guzan. Uh, I mean, I. Been on, I've been saying that you know there's some potential for Ashley Westwood at you know Ashley Villa, but um, I, I think that there, there's even more defensive potential here now. Yeah, that's fair. You, you'd certainly I mean, there be was, a little there, more... there was none. There was virtually none before, but I mean, yeah, you know, the bar was very low, but I think the bar has got higher. Yeah, yeah, they got better. Yeah, I think, and there's a lot. I, mean, I think the the something that I saw from the window in general. Is the teams that kind of improved themselves are mid-table and lower mid-table teams, you know, except for the, you know De Bruyne and Martial. Well, Martial debatably makes Man U better. I don't even know if that's true. So really, what you're saying but, is Chelsea and Arsenal didn't get better, and Tottenham and Liverpool. Yeah, not markedly better. No. Well, you're you're looking at just today, basically. Well, let's, let's they, take they did their business week. earlier. Let's take, let's, well, yeah. Let's t- well. Let, I mean, Manchester City also added Ultimendi, mm-hmm. who is a need uh, at centre back. That makes them better. Yeah. Uh, if you look at, if you look at Chelsea, did they need another attacking midfielder? Was that their problem? I guess not. Can't tell me they're not better without without them. Uh, it's just, anyway. It's not solving <laughs> the truth. Fair enough. Liverpool got better. I mean, Liverpool got better early in the business. Right. Yes. Yes. Which we learned with the David de Gea situation is probably the way to go. <sighs> Let's talk about that a little bit. Okay. Does de Gea play now? Yes, he has to. D- does he? Yeah, I think he does. Why? Because he's better than Sergio Romero. Manchester United have been doing decently. Yeah. De Gea is. I mean, come on. De Gea is significantly better than can, Sergio can, Romero. Can that, can, that, can that club welcome him back into the starting lineup? They have to. Why? Because they, he's he's better than the guy that they have in goal, and they own him. They can't get rid of him now. He obviously doesn't want to be there. Does it matter? He's waiting until January. But he, but, but so he's got to play. You can't go does six he? months and not play, and then go play for Real Madrid. I, I will say that again. Does he? Yes, I think he does. <laughs> okay. I, I think I, he may start the first game out of the break because he's going to play for Spain over the break. Hey, look, my Tago team will thank him for it. Yeah. But I'm starting John Ruddy for Oof. for God's sake. Oof. So. Yeah, I think he goes right back in. I'm not convinced that he will leave in January because at, the, at that point, what, what's the reason for Man United? To, they're not going to get nearly as much as they were going to. And It's, it's just silly. So why not just let, play him out? And he kind of has to know that. He has to know that that deal is probably not happening in January. And it's if he accepts a, that, then he's situation. you know you have one more strong season. Then look, you go look, to... oh, look, all I'm saying is Manchester United have been looking good defensively. This is going to shake up the apple cart. You know what I mean? It's an upgrade, though. You cannot tell me that Sergio Romero is better than David de Gea. It's talent-wise, no, I certainly agree. Yes. 
but chemistry wise, I don't know. I, 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 I just, I'm skeptical. I, I'm skeptical. I'm optimistic because of Tago because I have him right. on my team, but skeptical. He'll be fine. I think the that had this. I, th- I think it warrants a, a, a different conversation that's not relevant to FPL per se, but it's it's something that can affect FPL that. You know, if the if the rest of the roster, the rest of the squad doesn't really want them there, you know, if that affects performance, even though they're professionals. I don't think there's any situation where you would be considering David De Gea and goal in fantasy, like for season long or in daily and think to yourself, I'm going to pass on him. But if Romero was starting, I would start him. That 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 conversation that like said, thought that, that's never a whole, happens. That's a whole ta- you're still talking talent. I'm not talking talent. I'm it's, talking fantasy. It, it, I'm saying there's never going to be a point where you're setting your fantasy team and you're saying, I would play Romero this week, but I'm not going to play De, De Gea. The only time that I would say that would be the first game back, and that's because I just want to see Manchester United's defense with De Gea in goal. That's fi- that's fine. That's I the only I, time. I, I, okay. <laughs> it's the only I wouldn't time. hesitate. I understand. I understand what you're saying. I know you wouldn't hesitate. And it depend and obviously for weekly formats like Armando Goal, for example, it would depend on what they put him as the price. You know, if he's like their top if he's their top price goalkeeper, first of all, I'm never picking him anyway. Right, yeah. And secondly <laughs> secondly, it's just I would advise against it in many not only because he's the highest price and I never do that, but just because I don't think that this would be the week to 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 use to use De Gea at any reasonable price, even if he's like the upper middle tier. Yeah, I mean he's he's going to be priced in any daily game as if he is the starter and has been all season. Like there's no reason for them to. And that and I would still it. say show it to me first. So that so they come out of the break and they're playing home against Liverpool. Would you Not start Romero in that situation? You're right. I understand what you're saying now. You're you're probably right. No, probably not. Still. So there's your there's your one game. I'm not okay. sure what the situation would be. I mean, I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah I, I I guess I I guess I didn't quite comprehend what you were saying before. Yeah, yeah. I'll change my mind. Okay. Yeah, I, I'll change my mind. You're right. Congratulations. You, you got me to admit that I was wrong on yet another podcast. <laughs> I didn't even need facts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I feel bad found, for the guy. Just wants to be with his fa- girlfriend. I think we found our opening clip there. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to West Ham, who actually had a very busy. Yeah, they got much day. better. They got significantly better. They added, well, they re-added Alex Song, mm-hmm. uh, who played very well for them last season on loan from Barcelona. So just second straight year with Alex Song. They added Nikita Yelovich as cover for uh, this. Th- th- we'll talk about this too, but cover for Diakosaka, who finally scored a goal. Finally. Nice it goal. was garbage time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, look, they all count. Uh, but the offer soccer, this does this mean that Enter Valencia's injury is a little more serious? It was already serious. I mean, you know, he was uh, out for the it, year, it, but yeah, I don't, it's certainly you don't see a lot of uh Premier League clubs with four legitimate starting strikers or forwards, we'll say, because is Andy Carroll one of those? <laughs> he was, yeah. I think that I think they are it was more a Carroll cover than a Valencia cover. So I mean, does he? Does, where does he fall? Because I mean, Jafar Sakho has not been convincing. So there's definitely a path to playing time for backups at West Ham. First of all, is there enough opportunity for a Nikita Yelovic, even if he does get the starting job, that you would actually be interested? And then in season-long formats, would you stash Nikita Yelovic? I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't touch him in season-long. Okay. And if he does actually end up starting, though, for yeah, I mean. I don't think he will and off the bat at least. Yeah. He played pretty well with um who was it? Hull. Yeah, but who was he starting up front with? Uh oh. Was it, it wasn't uh Enjoy, was it? Or he, Abel Hernandez? Abel Hernandez is that one I was originally thinking of, but then it was Enjoy. Yeah. I mean, he played relatively well with both of them, so it's not like he's coming into a situation, you know, off with a history of being a single, you know, lone striker. So 
mm-hmm. it certainly helps that he knows how to play off another forward. So, and Sacco was obviously lining up with Valencia or Carroll. So, it's a good situation for him. I kind of maybe that's the reason why they went after him and not Charlie Austin. I just I cannot believe Charlie Austin made it through this window without getting moved. The guy's just QP, as, QPR was insistent that they weren't. I know, I know. They bullied into selling him, yeah. and they didn't. They didn't. Yep. And Matt Phillips is another one who stayed. And oh, I can't believe that didn't happen to West Brom. It that just, just um, a match made in heaven. Yeah, man. those two guys should be in the Premier League, and it's kind of disappointing that they're not. But anyway, Yelovich would it would have to be kind of the perfect situation for me to pick him in, like a, in Mondo goal. If you look, uh, you know, if. He'd have to be much cheaper than Diafrasaco in the right matchup, you know, home against Sunderland. And even then, I feel like I I tend to try to pay up in forwards, and so finding, like, a value forward doesn't, you know, lends me to more expensive defenders, which doesn't, you know, that's just not the way I usually play. So it it, it would have to be a very rare situation to take a guy like Yelovich. Yeah, I agree. But let's get to the Moses, let's get to the though. signing that let's get to the signing though that people probably do care about. Yeah, and that's Victor Moses going from uh, on loan from Chelsea to West Ham. Yeah, I went right to our EFSA league and our Taga to pick to put a waiver or a bid in on Moses and kind of ignored the fact that he was probably taken, and he was taken in both. I don't know why anybody would sit on him this long, but this they is did. this is why I, I did the same. Yeah, thing. Yeah, he was banged up a little bit, but. Um, it's a great situation for him, just a great one, and I think yep. you know it's. I him, think this is much. Ia is is a good is a good attacking mid two good attacking midfield options there. Yeah, with two solid forwards ahead. I mean, he Moses. I don't think is a double digit goal scorer, but I could see him getting ten assists with those guys in front of him. And Payet. I mean, there's just a. It's a great situation for him. I think it's better than what he had at Stoke, and he was pretty good at Stoke. So. Uh, am I am I back on the West Ham train? It sounds no. like it. Oh, you're getting closer though. Getting closer. Getting closer. I, I, you're at the ticket booth. Well, I mean, I I, I I I secretly would like them to do well, apparently, but I think I've just I'll just continue to say no, which means do the opposite. Yeah. Because as soon as I got off the train, what do they do? Kill Liverpool. Mm-hmm. So what a weird game that was. Yeah, exactly. But they and West Ham got better. Yep. They. From percentage, not percentage wise, but just when you look at the team before the window and after the window, you say, "Wow, West Ham really did a good job." Yeah, Song's addition is going to probably just move Reese Oxford right to the bench. He's banged up now, but everybody jumped on him after that opening clean sheet over Arsenal. But he's not going to play anymore with Song there. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, anyway, you're right. Now to Southampton, who somehow prized Virgil Van Dyke away from Celtic. Mm-hmm said they were not selling him. Yep. And when when a team like Southampton or Swansea go into the market and get somebody that has some name value, you got to pay attention because they don't they tend to not miss. Yep. They don't miss a lot. They don't miss a lot. And if Southampton especially because defensively they've been, you know, somewhat disappointing this season. Yep. They did shut out Norwich this week. Not that that's Great. like a But they've been playing pretty poorly defensively. Correct. And Virgil van Dijk is can someone who can go a decent ways to to help fill that void that's left by the fact that Toby Alderweireld, who was there, is no longer right. Yeah, I think they well they brought in Stephen Cocker from QPR, and he missed a few games with an illness, and then I don't think he's really the the piece that they were looking for. They had been starting Maya Yoshida a little bit, I think. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of a gaping hole next to Jose Font. So I think. Um, yeah, this could be a, a pretty solid duo. Bertrand should be back certainly later this month. I don't know if it's immediately after the international break, but he'll be back this soon. This month meaning September. Sorry, yes. September yes. Now. So they're they're definitely getting better uh defensively. Yeah. Which they needed because cross cross sport over under who's back first? Uh Ryan Bertrand or Arian Foster? Oh, Bertrand. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. okay. That stinks as I drafted Eric Foster. <laughs> Sorry. No, no worries. We'll move on to Sunderland here. Uh, they got better. Um, Oila Toivonen, we'll talk about him first. He's the least sexy of the three. Uh, just a very large attacking midfielder slash striker potential. Um, he's, he's a big body. He can cross, actually, which is strange. And he can also he can cross the ball, run into the middle, and head it in himself. Right. <laughs> 
I don't think you get the assist and the goal for that. But yeah, I don't think so either. However, um, I don't know if he's going to play a ton. Just the way Sunderland already had the fighting Jer Romains or Jermaines up front, but he's yeah, someone, someone who else actually played. Yeah, well, we'll talk about we'll talk about him now too. Fabio Borini, mm-hmm. who's the other who actually did play well at Sunderland before Defoe was even there. Yeah, um, this this move is a year too late. <laughs> For sure. Well, it's his fault. I mean, they've been. So he yeah. was on loan two years ago. They wanted him, and he wanted to fight for his place at Liverpool, despite lost. everybody saying he had no chance. And yeah, he lost. You just hear Red Fox saying, "You dummy." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you, I'm surprised this deal kind of took as long as it did because the with Benteke, Danny Ings, Origi, the possibility of Sturge whenever he plays, which I'm guessing is now like March, but. Um, Balotelli was still there for a little bit. Like there, there was just no clear path for Barini. So I don't know why he, maybe he just loves Anfield so much. But he'll get plenty of playing time, I think, at Sunderland. I think they start him and Defoe up front together. With the uh, the midfield, yeah. Or maybe throw Barini on a wing with you know play three up front. Barini, Lenz, and Defoe. I think Barini is going to start. Well, that wow! I, I did not think he would start initially, yeah. at least. Maybe, maybe not. In, I thought first I thought week, was, but I think he gets in there. Depth move to rotate with those other two because mm-hmm. you know Jermaine Defoe is not a spring chicken, so playing thirty-eight games, ninety minutes a game. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he'd be able to do that anyway. Yeah, that will. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, yeah, I think Barini is going to have a pretty regular spot. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, th- that would I think be he will. Smith. But to what DeAndre Yedlin on loan from Spurs would he have a regular spot? I think so. The difficulty with with Yedlin and they kind of have casually mentioned that they may play him a little higher up than uh, he's used to playing meaning more of like a midfield wing role as opposed to just like a right back but he he's was not going to play at Tottenham we knew that as soon as he went there Trippier and then when Trippier went we knew yeah Um, I'm I think that um, Tottenham held on to him to see just in case Walker didn't get hurt before the the window closed but Walker's still fit so now you know there's no reason to have three first team right backs so yeah Yedlin Yedlin is the definition of an attacking defender the difficulty is that Sunderland need a defending defender <laughs> they do so maybe that that's my thought of why they might move him up in the midfield the so you'll you'll get very few clean sheet points from him in my opinion you know, we talked early in the season about how Sunderland got a few. Pantillamon was like up there, but that this team is not that good. They got better, but they're still poor. And so, the clean you're you're basically depending on Yedlin's offensive capabilities. And in a lot of you know, in like the regular FPL format, you're not going to get a ton of points from him. He's not going to score four goals and get five assists. Like that's just, this is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But in daily formats, we'll see if you know they. If they let him cross a little bit, maybe you know he'll maybe he gets a few shots, but uh, maybe in Taga with chances created, but he'll it'll be at least nice to see him play. I wonder if the Sunderland fans are skeptical just because he's American, and the last one that they had was Josie Altidore. Didn't work out that well. Let me put it that way. His name was Josie Altidore. <laughs> no, still is. Let's get, so to me, there's a so from there, there's kind of a drop off to the fantasy importance to the next guys that we're going to talk about. Uh, and so you know, I'm going to run through them pretty quickly and maybe with a point underneath them and just agree or disagree. So Nathan Dyer going from Swansea to Leicester, does this threaten Mark Albrighton at all? I don't think so. So he's a bench. So Dyer's going to be a bench guy. Yeah, or maybe they attempt to put him on the other side. Uh, that would be Riyad Mahrez's spot, wouldn't it? Or is he playing the 10? I think he's, I don't think he's, I think they play kind of four across, so they kind of have him on the inside, but Mahrez is certainly not going anywhere. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that's why I was thinking. I, I'm that, yeah, Dyer's not going like to be in any stuff. conversation, no. All right. Yeah, Dyer needs to, anyway, hit, I was going to make a Dyer situation joke, but I just, I'm too lazy. Thank you. Even to make a bad joke. <laughs> Victor Ibarro. Going to Watford, one of my favorite players in FIFA, but it's his does his skills translate to real life? This is such a Premier League money rule move. Like 
there's no way that Watford should be able to afford a guy like this. Not that he's like some fantastic player, but you just don't see. He's got promise. Yeah, that's what I mean. He's, he's big, still he's fast. Yeah. He can shoot and pass. Yeah, he's and he's relatively young. I think he's only what twenty five or so. Um, he's in his prime. Yeah, so sure. it's a it's a solid move. They are they not comfortable with Dini and Igalo that they have to yeah, bring. In? I think it's going to be more of a wing guy. Oh, okay. Than a center forward. Yeah, he'll right. probably play on the wing. Yeah, because they also loaned out Vidra. So there yep. goes that. Yep. Although I don't think he had played at all this year. <laughs> I I gave I gave him the kiss of death real early yeah, this year. <laughs> Saying that I liked him as the second option at Wofford. That was fun. Yeah. But well. uh, no, I think Ebar was going to probably play on one of the wings. Okay. Yeah, That's I mean, where he's playing anyway. I'd like to see them score a little bit. You know, like. He's, he, he'll, he'll help at that end. Yeah. I don't think so. it's going to be enough for me to make a, any sort of real investment in him. Depends on what position he's categorized in, but this guy may go after him once or twice. Fair enough. If he's categorized as a midfielder, I, you'll definitely see me go after him more. If he's categorized as a forward, not likely. Okay, that's fair. We'll move on to the two West Brom signings. Anders Lindegaard from Manchester United and Johnny Evans also from... Manchester United. So... No thanks. No thanks on either? I was trying to... You didn't have Evans on this list, and I decided I wanted to discuss the possibility of a center back in Tony Pulis's defense. Lindegaard, I don't think, starts over my hill. Certainly not over Foster when he comes. I think Foster comes back, yeah. Um, he was behind. So I think Pulis is going to play two goalkeepers to park the bus. What do you think? Yeah, that, that'd be interesting. <laughs> that'd be interesting. Yeah, I don't – I'll. Evans, certainly not. I mean, if you're going to go for a West Brom defender, you got to take somebody out wide. And even then, it's not even that great, but the small chance. But Evans wasn't even that good at Man United, so I'm not sure going to Tony Pulis is going to make him that much better. So I've already talked yeah. way too much about both of these guys than they deserve. Well, I'm going to talk to about the I'm going to talk about the last guy because I think he's a pretty decent sleeper. Now that I've actually got some stats on him, I can actually showcase some of them. But it is. Geo, uh, sorry, uh, Geo Don or Geo Mercy, it depends on who you're talking to, but his last name is Balkani, spelled M-B-O-K-N-I. Um, he's, he's Belgian, or he's Congolese, excuse me, but he's played most of his career professionally in Belgium. He's, he's been at Standard League, he's been at Anderlecht, he's been at, uh, well, Dynamo Kiev the past couple of seasons. But this has been, you know, a goal-a-game kind of guy, so he, he was a goal-a-game, a little under at, at Standard League. He was over a goal every other game. Excuse me, a goal every other game, not a goal a game. A goal every other game at Standard League, a little under. A little over at a goal every other game for Anderlecht, and then pretty much right at a goal every other game for Kiev. So in 33 appearances, he's had 16 goals for Kiev. He's had 34 goals and 53 appearances at Anderlecht, uh, and that, that covers his last four seasons, mm-hmm. so that right there. Um, you know, limited limited appearances, a combined total of 86 appearances since 2011. But, you know, at Norwich, where the only competition at center forward is Cameron Jerome, who has not exactly been tearing up the score sheets officially. He has two unofficial goals that should have counted. <laughs> yep. But uh, none that are actually, you know, nothing to speak of much on the score sheet that counts. So his path to playing time is not exactly difficult Mm -hmm. and i think he has the talent and you know at 29 he has some he's been around the block a a time or two so i think there's sleeper potential there i really do would you take him over yelovich yes i would um i would take him over ricky uh, maybe not ricky lambert over glenn murray (sighs) he's in that range okay Glenn Murray's a perfect comp. And he's also pretty big. He's six foot one, so it's a it's a nice comp. Does Ibarbo go in that group or no? No. No. Like Ibarbo, especially as a midfielder, I rank him way higher. Oh, okay. But, you know, Bocani and Glenn Murray to me are on the same tier. Okay. And I don't think you're gonna hear much about this Bocani signing. And but from a fantasy perspective, I think there is there is a ceiling there. It's not tremendously high, but it, it's for what you're going to be able to pick up right now, especially in the season-long league. 
you know, these new guys that come off of waivers, if you don't want, if you don't have a ton of, you know, free, if you have like an auction budget, if you don't have a ton of budget, you could probably get Bacani for a dollar. Now an EF says going to have to be two because Mike's going to throw a dollar on. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. If you're in EF with me, you got to go at least two. Go two. I'll definitely be in for one. Yeah, I mean, home against Sports Sunderland, you'd take him in a daily format, right? You'd consider him. If he starts. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, he's got to start, but yeah. Just crazy window, right? A, qu- a crazy last day. I was getting alerts all day, like, this guy signed, this guy signed, this guy didn't sign. Manchester United passed. It wasn't, busy a lot day, of, but... it wasn't a lot of big names, though. Well, I mean, when was the last time you saw, uh, you know, the, the final day, like, you know, Mesut Ozil, Kareem Benzema. But were there even Diego... that many big ones this summer? Uh... I mean, we look at, like, Benteke was big for, for Premier League, at least. Um, Pedro coming in was a big one. Czech, obviously, was talked about. De Bruyne was an overpay, so was Sterling. Well, I, I but like, overpay is so relative because Premier League teams get got so much well, money sure. from the new well, team contract. Sure. So I mean, it's not like it's not it's not like it's money they didn't have. It's money they had. I, so the over, if it the, makes your team better, it doesn't matter what the total number is. I'm defining the overpay as significantly more than anybody else would have paid. So like, welcome to the Premier League. I just mean other Especially, Premier League. I don't. What other Premier League club was going to pay that much for De Bruyne or Sterling? I I understand I understand what you're saying. Like Man United but, wasn't going to buy either of those guys. They wanted bail. That didn't the, happen. The, con- the concept of overpaying, though, is so to me overrated. You know, it's pay- it's paying whatever the market rate is. I would I would disagree with that. I think both of those guys went way over market rate. Well, if they had offered, let's say, you know, forty five, they wouldn't have sold. That's basically what Wolfsburg valued um, De Bruyne at. So Wolfsburg was technically giving up that money. Except they got ten more, right? I mean, they... oh my god, that's because they valued him at that much money. I mean, basically, what I'm saying is, you are you're not technically overpaying. You're paying whatever you're paying the market that Wolfsburg set. I guess you're, you're, it, I because guess. if it was fifty four or versus fifty five, for example, Wolfsburg would have been either gaining fifty five or losing the ability to get fifty four. So they basically said, you know, we're willing to not get fifty-four million to to the make key. sure that we do get fifty-five. Right. right. So you're bidding against Wolfsburg in that instance. I suppose that's a way to look at it. I guess we don't see a lot of these big players. We don't see teams bidding against each other, meaning two two clubs that want a player as opposed to a club that wants a player and the club that has the player already. I'm saying I'm not sure there's any other club that would have paid as much for Sterling and De Bruyne as Man City ended up paying for them. All right. Let's, nobody let's else wrap. Nobody else valued them that highly. Let, let's, let, let's let the people in the, in the podcast realm decide. <laughs> Tweet us, email us, send carrier pigeons, whatever you want to do. Uh, but you know, let, let let us know what your thoughts are there. Let's wrap up on one one thing here. Who is the one signing outside of let's say Kevin De Bruyne? Don't be obvious about it. But who is the the one you know deadline day signing that you think has the potential to do the most, have the most impact in FPL? So basically, of the guys we discussed, or let's say up until like Pedro Nicola Ultramendi. Meaning not including them? Yeah, not including them. I don't think we talked about anybody that wasn't today since them. Or well, De Bruyne technically today. Right. So if you don't let me have De Bruyne, I'm going to take Victor Moses. Because I think he has the clearest playing path to playing time with a team that can score the most. I'm going to take Victory Barbo. Hmm. Just uh, on that team, I think he has the capability for both goals and assists, especially if he's a midfielder. There's a lot of potential there. 
Yeah, I'll be I, w- I worried that Watford just won't score that much. Yeah, but they seem to have been. They looked very good in the opener against. Uh... Q- QPR didn't score much, but did Charlie Austin have value? That's fair. You know, Danny did Danny Ings have value when Burnley didn't score? No, obviously when they're not when they didn't score. Yeah. <laughs> I think you, you know need I mean? to be prepared for Barbo not to not absolutely be a midfielder. Because if Fair. he's a forward, then you want no part of him? No part's too strong. Not Fair. a big yeah. no part. Right. If he was a forward, but, who do you take as the best signing or best move? For fantasy purposes, yeah. it, it's still it, it's probably Victor Moses. You're, you're probably right. But I think there's definitely a case to be made if Barini starts every week at Sunderland for Barini. Yeah. Yep. Neither of us took the most expensive teenager in the history of professional no. soccer. No. Too many. Too many. Too many options. Too many options. Uh, and and that applies even if he starts. <laughs> yeah. And Manchester United has has not looked great offensively. So let's also talk about how poor all of their big money signings have been. I guess Memphis has been okay, but Di Maria was downright terrible for them. I'm not sure I trust just because they paid a lot means somebody's going to be that good. Luke Shaw, I'm not sure he was locked in any Premier or fantasy Premier League teams. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but on that note, we will end this episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on Deadline Day. I hope you learned something from us. I hope you had fun tracking it all day today, Andrew. I certainly did. It's always a good time. All right. We'll talk to you. Uh, actually, no, we will not talk to you on Friday. We're going to skip Friday because there are no games this weekend. So we'll talk to you next week. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. For more great content, visit rotowire.com slash soccer. going to kill the love of my life Daisy! if I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.